welcome to Coaching from the Sofa. I'm Shane Lord. I'm Rob Harvey. Episode four. Let's go. I don't tell me daughter's dance teacher how to waltz, do I? Oh, come on, ref, it's his birthday. You've got to give it. You've got to give it. Only 262 players in the world have ever been awarded the Premier League Winners Medal, and you're one of them. He'd treat the, the dinner ladies with just as much respect as he'd treat Ryan Giggs. So as we missed a week, we thought we'd make this episode extra special, and we've got an incredible guest lined up today. This all seems to be coming, coming at once. Today's guest is a Premier League Winners Medal. It's a what, Rob? No, he's not. Today's guest has got a Premier League winner's medal. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) Today's guest is a medal. Here he is. (laughs) You must be excited for this week's guest, Ben. Buzzing. I'm a little bit on edge, to be honest. It's just, it's exciting, isn't it? Played in that era. Loads of things to talk about. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Did you see him? Oh, I did. I, I did. I saw him play against United. But not for Manchester not United. Not for, no. The one thing I can't believe, we, we managed to get another Manchester United fan. I don't actually think he supports United. Well, Manchester United player. No, he's not a United fan. He supports Cambridge United, Rob. So you're all right. He doesn't fall into that category, all right? We can let him off. We can let him off. You need to up your game, really. I know. I'm going to have to start recruiting ready for next week. You need some Liverpool recruitment. I'll have to get looking. Michael Owen, ex-Liverpool player of a Premier League winner's medal, Rob. Try it. Did he win that medal with Liverpool, Ben? No, no I can't remember oh, who he no. won it with. Who did he win that medal with? To put a lie for me, I can't remember. No, I can't remember. Do you know, Rob? Yeah, it doesn't matter who he won it with. He was still a great player. <laughs> So we did a Great Oakley FC quiz this week and you and your sister Rachel were crown champions. Yeah, I mean, it was never in doubt. We'd been practicing all week, plenty of rehearsal using a <laughs> catchphrase, um, tipping point. Lots of practice went into that. Lots of hard work. So hard work paid off. As champions, what would you say the, the round that won it for you, Rob? What was it? I mean, there was some very good rounds, I have to say. It was a very well put together quiz. But I think the, the winning, the big round was the um, celebrities, celebrity photos when they were younger. Rach was an absolute fire. Yeah, the baby, baby photos of the celebrities, yeah. Absolute fire. I mean, I, I didn't have a clue for half of them and Rach is picking them all out. We have got some really exciting guests lined up, guys. Coming in the, in the next few weeks, we've had a few people of messages saying that they want to be on the show. Uh, and we've also got a few ideas about people that we can approach. So I think we've got some exciting, exciting ones in the pipeline. Brilliant. Yeah, really looking forward to the next few weeks. Great schedule. Right, let's get the guest in, shall we? Yeah, let's get him in. Today's guest is none other than Premier League title winner Luke Chadwick. Luke started his youth career at Manchester United as he progressed into the first team, with whom he won a Premier League title in 2000-2001. Whilst at Manchester United, he saw loan spells with Royal Antwerp, Reading and Burnley. He also featured for England's under-21s and under-18s. He then went on to play for West Ham, Stoke, Norwich, MK Dons, Cambridge United and ended his playing career at Soham Town Rangers. 
Luke then moved into coaching with Cambridge United before moving into his current position as head coach and director of community growth at the Football Fun Factory. Hopefully we got most of that right, Luke. Yeah, that all sounded about right. Good research. <laughs> Sounds better than mine, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did sound a little bit better than Ben's intro. Um, how have you been finding lockdown so far, Luke? Yeah, it's, um, it's such a strange, surreal situation. I think I live in a small village just outside Cambridge, so you don't really realise the enormity of the whole situation apart from what you see in the news and on the telly and in the newspapers. So it's been it's been nice in a way to spend a lot of time with my children and my wife, but at the same time, yeah. it's it's hard to enjoy when everything else is going on around us. So before we move on to uh, coaching, which is our main aim, uh, we've got to touch on your playing career. So um, what was it like playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world? Yeah, it was... It was mad, obviously. It didn't feel... I started at Man United. I started signed from as a schoolboy at 14 years old. So you sort of progress through and sort of start to feel part of the furniture. So to get into the first team was absolutely a mad, like something I didn't even dream of doing when I moved up there because of the, the players in front of me. So to do that was amazing. But it probably didn't seem as big a deal in terms of because I'd been there so long anyway. And if I just sort of maybe got signed, if I was playing for a smaller club and went in there, it probably would have seemed a lot of a, a bigger deal, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and how, how can you describe winning Premier League title? Yeah, again, I think I was such a, a young man, you probably don't appreciate things. It, it just felt, the whole of that season that I did spend time in and around the first team squad, it was such a whirlwind. And to, to end up playing enough games to receive a medal, I wouldn't say I went receiving a medal thinking that I'd potentially earned it that much. As I say a lot, I'm pretty sure the team would have won the Premier League that season with or without my input. But it was something that I'll certainly be telling my um, grandchildren about in years to come. And just that fact alone is incredible, Luke. I actually did a bit of stat digging and only 262 players in the world have ever been awarded a Premier League winner's medal. And you're one of them. Yeah, incredible. It does... um, it is um, very humbling to actually have been part of a team that won the Premier League. I think you're a bit harsh on yourself, uh, Luke, there. Like, Rob wouldn't know it's been a Liverpool supporter, but when you won it, you needed to have 10 appearances to get a medal and you played 16. I think you should sort of give yourself a bit more credit, to be honest. Yeah, and obviously... And I'm, a goal at Ellen Road. Yeah, goal <laughs> at Ellen Road. I'm, I'm obviously really proud of, of achieving that and doing that, but the same... At the same time, it's just how I feel about it. I've never thought that I was earned it that much. Obviously, it's an inc- don't get me wrong, I'm, it's an incredible achievement for anyone to play one minute for that club because it is such an elite football club. So I'm obviously proud of the achievement to have played for Manchester United. But at the same time, was a bit part player, but all squads need that. But you need yeah, the definitely. squad players to, to get through the season. When you were there, what did a typical day kind of look like so far? From start to finish, really. So, so it was not much different, really, in terms of what it was for any other footballer. Really, obviously, you'd get up in the morning, go to training. Training would be of a lot higher level than anything I've had, had ever since. And it was sort of one of them. At the end of that season, it was so intense. It was probably physically harder for the likes of me who didn't play every game because we were training every day. There was a game on the Saturday Champions League during the week, so it was. It was non-stop mentally and physically. So it was um, 
it was really hard. And at the end of the season, I was absolutely exhausted, it, albeit not playing that many games, but just being in and around that environment. It's well documented, Luke, that um, Sir Alex Ferguson used to encourage players to take their badges as soon as they could. Is that something that you started at Manchester United? So we started as a, I think it's done all the time now. I think Man United were the first ones to do it as a YTS, as scholar. We started our level two, but I had no interest in it whatsoever. And I just had a hernia operation. So I sort of was part of it in the, I don't know if you ever seen the cliff training ground. We've done it in the indoor bit there. There's a balcony there. So I just spent the day watching, not paying much attention really. And it was, it's a regret to be fair. I should have taken that opportunity, but because I was, 17, 18 years old, I'm thinking, I don't want to do this. I just want to play. So I never really took the opportunity to, to finish off that level two and have that going through my career. So is that something that you've picked up more recently? You've gone back to and, and, and then and stepped on the qualifications? Yeah, so I, I sort of was coming towards the end of my career and thought I never really had ambition of a player to be a coach. It didn't really appeal to me at that time. I'd been a player myself. I thought what do I want to have all these moaning footballers <laughs> moaning at me all day for? So it weren't something that appealed to me at the time. And then I come towards the end and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I got involved. I'd done the level two up at St George's Park. Probably, I was over probably about 32, 33 years old. And I went up there with another lad from Cambridge United called Harrison Dunk. Kevin Phillips was actually on the same course. It was run through the PFA. Wow. And sort of, I found it so hard. The, even the thought of, being in front of my peers, taking them sessions, it was, I couldn't start, I hated it to start with. I just didn't know where, what to do, what to say. But then once you get over that, sort of pushed out your comfort zone and get out of that mindset, I did really start enjoying it and then ended up doing UA for B, UA for A, Youth Award, Advanced Youth Awards in a real quick period of time, which I don't know is, is the best way of going about it, to be honest with you. I think maybe I would have been better taking a bit of a stop and going through it. But the PFA, all credit to them, trying to work at a professional club, you obviously need all these qualifications. So they will push me to, to keep going and keep progressing. But my coaching badges, I've learned so much about the game, but more importantly, how it's done now, so much about myself, really. I think it's fascinating because you just have this, everybody believes that because people have been in and around football or played football, that they can coach. And when you start doing the badges and progressing through it, you really see the other side of it. And even as you've just said, it's interesting that you've been in changing rooms and, and dressing rooms with these players. But when you're the person that all the focus is on and everybody's hanging on your every word, there's a definitely a different feeling, isn't there? Oh, it's a different, it's a different world. I think I was on this course, the Level 2 course, and there was another lad on it who I played with, not at the same club, but we'd played against each other for the years. And he must have played about, 700 games he's a top top professional in the lower leagues and he just he couldn't do it he just said I can't do it I can't speak in front of the group and coach him and this is a player with huge experience in the professional game and it I was feeling as if I really had to push myself to step out of my comfort zone in my head after that the first week and they said you'll all be taking a session last week I was really thinking I'm not comfortable with it. I don't really want to do it but I'm glad I did because it was a real important part of my life going through them them coaching badges how did you find that transition then between the playing and coaching is that kind of the biggest the biggest part was coming out your shell really kind of thing yeah I don't think it's that it's just sort of knowing how to put a session on what it should look like I had no 
idea whatsoever. I think as a player, you just sort of, you're going through the motions, not in terms of your performance, you're always pushing yourself physically, mentally, but you're just sort of told what to do and you go and do it. It's all like the planning that went into it, trying to get the outcomes for certain individuals and that sort of thing. The amount of, I've got a lot more respect now for the coaches. Obviously, respect them as people, but the hard work that goes in to every single session, every single day. Did you find it hard to accept the fact that you wouldn't be able to play anymore? Yeah, massively. I think as a lot of footballers will say this, you don't think it'll ever end. And even when it did end, I don't think I really truly admitted to myself. I still saw myself as Luke the footballer. I never really saw myself as Luke as the, the football coach. When I was probably term 30, you start sort of thinking, oh, what am I going to do? And I sort of used to joke around with my wife and children saying, oh, when I stop, I just want to be like, you know, the royal family, like Jim yeah. Royal of the royal family. <laughs> I just want to sit, drink a can of beer, watch the telly and not get weighted on hand and foot. And that was me. But you don't, you don't realise that you are such a, a young man, even when football's finished, really. You've still got a whole nother life ahead of you. And I think I sort of fell into the coaching route. The, I don't get me wrong, I love it. I do love football coaching, particularly young people and young players. But always wanted to do something. My biggest regret is not educating myself and having other interests along with that. As soon as I signed for Manchester United as a 14-year-old kid living in Cambridge, I thought I was the top man. I didn't have to do anything yeah. else. I didn't have to learn. So I just gave up with school. I'd still go, but I wouldn't try. I wouldn't do my exams. And the same in my college programme at Man United. I didn't concentrate. I didn't complete it. And then as a player, obviously, you got a lot of free time where you could really educate yourself on other things but I never chose to do that so if I did everything again my, what I'd definitely change is to educate myself from a younger ages so there is more options available when my career did come to an end. So do you think for any young players listening that that would be your one piece of advice just take as much learn as much as you can? Yeah I think definitely there's, you never know when it's going to end I was lucky enough to have a fair old long career in the game but some people aren't that fortunate and it can be over. There's got to be, I mean, I remember saying it when I was a kid, what's your plan B? And I'd think, oh, I don't want a plan B. I'm going to be a footballer. But now that I do, yeah. how, how fortunate I was to have a career because I don't know what I would have done if that didn't work out. You were also obviously coached by Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, if there's one thing that you could take from what you've seen of him as a coach, what would you say that would be if there was one thing that you try and replicate in your own coaching, if there is anything that you, you've taken from him or that you've seen? The one, the thing that I'd take from the great man would be how the relationships that he's got with people, the way that he built that football club at Manchester United, every single person there wanted to run more than they thought they could. They wanted to go that extra yard. And it was for him because he built relationships with people from your first involvement with him, from a 14-year-old boy. He'd know I was. He knew I'd come from a torch me, but he'd know that about everyone. He'd treat the, the dinner ladies with just as much respect as he'd treat Ryan Giggs. He'd treat, treat the kit man exactly the same as he'd treat everyone else. And when you've got, if you're at a football club, and everyone wants to work for you, and everyone's pulling in the same direction. That was the genius of that man and why that football club 
is what it is because he built it from the bottom and had a part in every single part of that football club. Luke, you've probably been asked this a thousand times, but playing under Sir Alex, did you ever get the famous hairdryer? I did a couple of times. I did once in a reserve game and there was a couple of times when I misbehaved and he, um, he certainly told me. But saying that, when, when he told you that you'd done well, it meant more than anyone else. It made that hairs on the back of your neck stand out. You wanted to do anything to impress him. And at the same time, it wasn't the fact that he was shouting at you, obviously, which is scary, but the worst feeling was a bit, you'd feel it like you'd let him down. The one man at that football club you didn't want to make feel let down. So it was more, obviously, the impact of Sir Alex shouting at you is, is scary. <laughs> the, the worst feeling of it is the thought that you've let him down. It just goes to show, I think, what, what an incredible... Um inspiring person he was i mean you hear so much of him but actually generally every single person only has good to say about him uh, and from a coaching perspective you need to be put in your place sometimes don't you i think you need to be told when you're doing something wrong but once you've gained and earned that respect it's incredible what people will do for other individuals yeah and i think that is coaching in general isn't it is if you just shout at someone and they you haven't taken the time to get to know and they every right to tell you to, to do one or they just won't listen because the most important thing in, as a football coach or someone who's leading a group of people is how you treat them. And if you've built a great relationship with people in your squad and you've got to know them well, then they will accept being told in a forceful manner or sort of shouted at sometimes, which isn't always the right way, but sometimes particularly with older players or men, male, uh, sorry, adult players is it is done it is but it's how you've treated them players in the past is how they'll take your information on board i think it has to be as a football coach it has to be all about the players it, as soon as it turns into being about the coach and about his ego then if i'm a player then you've lost me then i'm not interested i won't listen to you i won't do my best i'll do the best for myself but you've lost me because you're making it about you when and this is obviously particularly about younger players. It is, it's all about them and all about their development. How you treat players, Luke, um, is obviously closely linked with mental health. And you've received quite a lot of attention in the media this week regarding that. I think as coaching that we all pull on our own life experiences, um, which ultimately shapes the way that we treat others or that we coach others. Um, the psychological side of coaching is probably something that I feel sometimes gets neglected. Do you think that we need to work harder on it? Yeah, I, I do think maybe we get a little bit bogged down in making sure that we get our outcomes from the session when sometimes that's not going to happen. Sometimes, particularly with younger players, the tactical stuff is going to come, the technical stuff is going to come, but they've got to be, and this is probably adult players as well, if you're not enjoying the session, if the session hasn't got fun in it, then I don't think they're going to get that much, as much out of it as they would unless they're enjoying it. They're fully engaged in what they're doing. And I don't think you can be fully engaged unless you're really enjoying it. So I think it's really important that the psychological aspect of how people learn, I think people learn better if they are doing what they want to do. And it's not all about just getting 
crossing from wide areas or something like the actual topic of the session. I don't think that is the be all and end all, which I think at times it, it can be. And ultimately, as long as they're enjoying it, that is the purpose of football, isn't it? That's the reason we all play football really at any level to enjoy. That's the, it's the enjoyment factor. Yeah, exactly. And I think unless you're playing in a first team environment where you're doing some work about the other team or you've got to get these sort of tiny tactical details out, then I think the emphasis should always be on fun. I know that all the sessions that I enjoyed as a footballer, they were quite simple. The rules were quite easy to understand and we were playing loads of touches on the ball and we were enjoying playing the game. So your latest project is uh, the Football Fun Factory. So just want to tell us a bit about that, how it sort of got started and where it is now. So it's a Football Fun Factory, as the name suggests, it's all about football being fun. It's, we run programmes for children between 2 and 12 years old and it's, it's so far away than anything I've ever done in the past. Obviously, I was a footballer at first and then went into coaching at an academy level with really elite young players. And sort of come away from that now. And it is really back to basics. What we um, try and do is, obviously, we've got a mix of players from the first time they've ever kicked a ball or done a football session to some really gifted players. But it's more about using football as a vehicle to develop really positive life skills. So although scoring a load of goals and great skills is, is great, we sort of look to praise and reward them young people that are showing brilliant teamwork, great communication, being the best sportsman, that sort of thing, probably more than the actual technical element of it. We're not getting children in to say, we can get you into academies, professional clubs, or that sort of thing. We're simply saying, come and enjoy playing football and we'll help you make it something you love and something you'll still do when you're an old git like me and you're still running around with a village team on a Saturday afternoon. How's that been since, since lockdown? Has that still been going on? Still been? <clears throat> no, so we've sort of complete everything, of course, has been yeah. suspended. We've been trying to stay active online with sort of the online stuff and that sort of thing, which, had, which has been good. But it's given us an opportunity to sort of grow, sort of get our things in place, what we want to do. We want it to spread all over the country, want it to be all over the world. That's sort of the long-term dream, a lofty ambition, but it's something we, we feel like we can deliver given the opportunity. So it's, um, it's really exciting. Obviously, we'll be pleased when the, when the programmes are back up and running again, though. Cooperman's Rant. Would you tell a librarian how to organise books? Would you tell a postman how to deliver the letters? Would you tell a butcher how to, I don't know, butch? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> so why the parents think it's okay to tell coaches how to coach? I see it really often in youth football, in games I've watched. A coach will literally tell a player to hug the left wing. His mum will shout over across the pitch and tell him to hug the right. The trouble is this is detrimental to the children, I feel. And... It's detrimental to the team. Remember, parents, this is little Jack and Jill, not Ronaldo and Messi. So let the people who have got the qualifications and the experience teach the children to enjoy and love the game. Um, you'll get the dads, won't you? And they'll be having a word with the manager at half-time, giving him little tips on what to do. Like, I don't tell me daughter's dance teacher how to waltz, do I? 
So come on, <laughs> parents be parents and let coaches be coaches. Over to you guys. Luke, what's your thought on uh, parents shouting instructions from the sidelines? Yeah, I completely understand where you're um, coming from there, Ben. I think it is because for everyone's an expert, isn't they? You're in the pub on a Friday <laughs> yeah. night, everyone knows everything about football. I think when you talk about, obviously, butchers, dance teachers, that sort of thing, people don't see it on the telly all the time. Anyone who's watched the game knows everything about it. I'm the same in a way. I think I know everything. <laughs> I think what... There's a real serious point as well, because like we're speaking about there, for young kids, it don't matter, does it? It don't matter if you get no. beat. And I think it's sometimes the parents can feel it more. And don't get me wrong, I, my little lad started playing while I was still a footballer. When I was, he started playing when he was six or seven, I was playing for MK Dons. And in his, I used to go and watch, and I'd say, I'd have a go at him, because I thought <laughs> he was sort of, this is a serious point. I thought he was sort of, because he's my son and I'm, Luke Chadwick, the footballer, he should be the best player. And I sort of would tell him, you need to be better, do better. But then I think going through my coaching, education, reading books, becoming more knowledgeable, what I was doing was completely wrong. And it's, it's all about letting children play. But at the same time, just saying that don't work, does it? Because the parents always know best. And you can't really argue with them because they're, it's a, the most important person in their, their lives. So I think, again, it comes down to we spoke about the relationships and the education and how you go about doing it. I've seen coaches tell parents to shut up, I'm in charge. But I think that's just only going to make the problem worse, really. I think it's about that the parents' education as well and how you deal with them, like having workshops and talking to them as a group and saying, look, this is, this is how we're going to do it. Make it clear that we, we don't care if we win or lose, but we want your son, your daughter to become a better person and at the same time become a better footballer by doing it the way we, we want to do it. If, if that is how you want it shouting from the side, then I don't think it's going to be right for you at, at our club. And I, don't get me wrong, I know I've done similar things before and it's so hard and it's so awkward to do that. But I think if you get the buy-in from the parents over a period of time, because it won't be right straight away, but over a period of time, I think you can get that and you, you have a whole better environment than the children getting screamed at because they're getting beat 1-0 with a minute to go and they want the ball launched yeah. in the box. The parents are calling for the goalkeeper to smash it up there and that sort of thing. I think it's important they know what your, um, your sort of ethos is and how you want it to be done. Not easy, but that's what, what I'd say about that. Setting your stall out early and getting the parents and getting everyone involved, as you've just said, is so, so important. And that development over results um, for young boys and girls playing football, it's all about fun and development, I think. But it's also great to hear that you were probably one of those parents, because I think until you've been through coach education, you do look at things from a total different angle. Uh, and even the fact that you're looking at your son on the pitch uh, and you're holding your hands up and saying, that was me. That's, br oh, that's yeah. brilliant. Definitely. I think just going back to when I was, and I've obviously reflected on this, when I was a child, my parents couldn't get me to every game. They weren't at every game, but when they were at a game, they, they wouldn't say anything and just let me play. And I was, oh, well, don't get me wrong, I weren't a world-class footballer, but I did have a, a career in the game. And I think that them formative years of having that and just being allowed to play, no one was shouting at me. The other parents were shouting at their kids, but I was just sort of allowed to just find my way, really. And I think that is 
it is so important because in the end, the ones that do get shot, they if they haven't won at the weekend, they start losing interest. And I think it's yeah. it's all about the the process, isn't it? It's not. It's about the process of what you're doing at every session, every game. It's not about the end result because at the end of the day, all the people that we're coaching, ninety nine percent of them aren't going to have a career in a game. We're not responsible for that, but we've got a massive responsibility to make sure that they're enjoying the journey and enjoying the process. Definitely. Rob, have you had an experience of this? Yeah, oh, I have. So I, obviously you've got all the parents who kind of shout on now and again, but my mum <laughs> didn't come to all the games, but she come to a few. And it was stamped out very early on that she would never call out a game again after she, on, uh, one game, it was a Sunday game, just a general league game. Sunday looked like, I think it must have been about 10. And she'd come along. We had a few of the family there. And um, I've gone down in the box. We, we're like three one up at the time. It's just so irrelevant. And she shouted onto the ref. Oh, go on, ref. It's his birthday. You've got to give it. You've got to give it. <laughs> Everyone was silent. It was complete silent. Every field around. I think the, the pitch is three, three across. Heard her shout this. So for the next... I think six months she was banned from football and then <laughs> since, she, since she's returned to watching, she has never said a word during the game. That died out pretty quickly. one way of stamping it out. Yeah, it's one way of stamping it out. But I was similar. I, mean, I never had anyone, no one ever shouted at me to, to do this, do that. They were, they, they were good from that respect. It was the other comments. I mean, it's slightly off topic, but going home from games, you obviously have a debrief in your car. I'm sure you're the same with your kids, but Mum came to one game, she took me to a game, Dad had gone somewhere. And um, on the way home, she was telling me how lovely the parents were. How all the, all the mums that had come along, how nice they were, how, how really good to talk to they were. I was called a hat-trick that game. <laughs> Didn't see any of the goals. She saw none of the goals. She thought it was a draw. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Brilliant. She, she's become a better football watcher, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that for definitely. Look, each week we ask um, our guests a set of questions. But this week, uh, we've got been added one question which is going to now be on every week as well. So one of our players, Owen, Oz, he has decided to ask, Ronaldo or Messi and why? I'm, um, uh, they're both obviously incredible. I've always been a Messi fan. So I think if I, the one player I'd love to see play live is Messi. I just love the way, Ronaldo's just an absolute machine I'm more of the, the purist I love the way that Messi just moves the ball and he can beat players so easily and he sees the pass so quickly so I'm a, I'm a messy man myself and that takes on to favourite player of all time favourite player of all time is actually Messi is up there but I grew up watching Maradona and he was an absolute dream like to just watching him play he was like a a wizard, the way he's quite similar to Messi with all on his left foot, that balance to go both ways to beat players. But there was just something about him. Even I remember being six years old when he scored the, the handball against England to go through the World Cup. And it obviously so upset, but all I could think about was going in the garden and trying to do the other goal he scored, where he turns in the middle of the pitch. And that, to this day, is the, the greatest goal I've ever seen in my life. The way that he beat the players, he was an absolute joy to watch. That very very good shout, that. Very good shout. So, what was the best game you've ever watched live? And then what was the best game you've ever played in? So, two, two separate. Oh, that's a tough one. Ever watched live? 
think probably live. I think we just got Sky, and it was a game. I don't know if you might. You're probably a bit young, you guys. You might know about it when Liverpool played Newcastle. I think it was. Remember it well, Luke. Yeah, yeah that was probably the best game I've ever seen. Like every time either team attacked, it ended in a shot a goal. It was just so exciting. It was incredible. It's probably there's the best game I think that's ever happened in the Premier League. It was uh, it was four three to Liverpool, but it was strange for me being a United supporter because even as a kid I absolutely despised Liverpool. But when Colin Moore scored that in the last minute, it sort of helped kill Newcastle's title challenge. So I'm going loopy. Yeah. Like it was an incredible night. <laughs> uh, what about played in? Best game played in in terms of my best performance or let's go both best performance and most enjoyment. So the Best game, I think the best I played was uh, MK Dons and we played Norwich, Norwich. I just I signed from Norwich not long ago. We played them in the Carlin Cup and we went to Carroll Road. They were in the Premier League, we were League One. We beat them 4-0 and I scored two goals. And it was probably the best, like everything I've done seemed to come off. They played a diamond and I think I was playing just off the, the right of midfield. And there seemed so much space between their diamond that I just could get on the ball all the time and turn and go forward. In terms of best game I've ever been involved in, I didn't actually come on the pitch. It was at um, White Hart Lane, Spurs v Man United. And um, Spurs were winning 3-0 at half-time. Went in the dressing room at half-time. And the gaffer, everyone was expecting like it to go off. And he just gave the players a look and just simply said, you need to go and sort this out. Didn't give any other, anything else. And I stood warming up in the second half, just stretching towards the corner flag where United was shooting it. And Man United won 5-3. And it was one of the most jaw-dropping performances I've ever seen. It was the most incredible performance in 45 minutes. Everything they'd done was amazing. It was ridiculously good. I think what's interesting about that, Luke, how does that feel when you're actually in it but not on the pitch. Because I think when you're playing, you're engrossed in the game. And if you're actually watching it from the sidelines, but still involved with the team, you feel the nerves. I think the nerves are worse. Uh, you feel all those emotions from watching from the sidelines. H how did it actually feel during that period, watching that comeback? Yeah, I think because obviously you're, you're on the bench, you're so close to the pitch, you feel part of it. You feel like you're, you're on there with them. It was, um, you obviously you're nervous about potentially going on, you're doing your warm-up at the same time, particularly that game, you're sort of concentrating on the game as well. So it was, um, it was, I just, it was incredible. Like, I've never witnessed anything like it in my life in terms of on a football pitch. It's a shame it weren't on live, actually. It was a Saturday three o'clock kickoff, so it weren't even on telly. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a Saturday. That was a Saturday go. So uh, what's the, what was the first kit you ever owned? First kit, Cambridge United kit. I think the old man got it for me for Christmas when it had um, it was like a full kit. I used to wear a full kit everywhere with the socks as well. It had a black stripe down there that used to go onto the shorts. It had a red Linfox was a sponsor. I remember it well. It was, a, it was one of the best presents I've ever received. Do you still get to Cambridge Games, Luke? Yeah, so both my kids are at Cambridge. One's a scholar, the other one's a schoolboy. So I still spend a lot. Of time. I don't work there anymore, but I've still spend a lot of time now. I'm still a big fan of the club, so be pleased when football gets back. I was at the game um, when Cambridge played United in 2015 and 
one thing that really sticks out was the, I don't remember a lot of the game because it was quite a dull nil-nil, but one thing that really sticks out was when you come on, the reception we gave you. Sort of, how, how did that sort of feel 12 years after leaving? It was incredible. I don't know, I saw there's a quite a big thing made of it because obviously I started at Man United and I'd done loads of press and that sort of thing. In my head, I thought, I didn't, like, people to remember who I was, but it was incredible to get that reception. When I come off, at Old Trafford in the replay, I started the game and come off, and to get a, a stand innovation from the crowd was incredible. I never expected that. It was really humbling and an incredible feeling. It ended up being the last game of professional football I ever started, so it was quite a apt way to finish my career with a stand innovation at Old Trafford. So yeah, it was um, amazing to get that. But it's an incredible football club, Manchester United is. It treats people so well, whether you're a from the supporters to the, everyone at the club, it's an incredible place. Incredible. And, and so it takes on nicely. So who is the coach that inspired you best and why? So that's a real tough question. But in terms of who was the most important person to me in the football industry was probably the scout that first scouted me for Manchester United. His name's Ray Medwell. He's passed away now, God rest his soul. But he was such a, an amazing man. He, He'd go out his way to get me to play. So he'd, he lived in Stamford around there, but he'd come and watch games. He'd take me up to Manchester. And the amount he'd done for me in them early years, he was probably the advice he'd given me in the car and that sort of thing all the time. He was probably the most important person in me making or playing games and coming through at Manchester United. Brilliant. Luke, once this is all over, we'd love to come up and see you at the uh, Football Factory and see what it's all about and um, ha- have, a, have a look at the work you're doing with the kids, if that's possible. Yeah, of course. We're sort of trying to grow all the time. So hopefully, where are you guys based? We're Colchester in Essex. Okay. So hopefully we'll have some over your way as well coming soon. So, But definitely, more than welcome. Get in touch and we'll, um, we'll welcome you with open arms. Thank you so much for giving up your time and uh, having a chat with us, Luke. Thank, Thank you, you very Luke. much, Luke. No worries, guys. Top man. Take care, guys. Oh, that's good, boys. That's good, I thought. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it this week. I think it just goes to show that we all have a persona of, of what we think a footballer is like in our heads. But when they're so down to earth and such top guys as Luke is, um, what a brilliant guy to chat to. Definitely. Some of his answers just blew me away. I was kind of sitting there, listening, listening, just staring at the screen, just mesmerised by what he was saying, really. The, um, yeah, I'm saying you're absolutely right. You get this persona of a footballer, but he's certainly very down to it. Especially we've been in the news all week. He still sort of made the effort, didn't let us down. Top, top guy. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. If you've got any questions or you'd like to appear on the show, send us an email to pod at coachingfromthesofa.co.uk.